Well, Rebecca here talking all things health and fitness with Core Fitness and Performance, a functional fitness gym located in Newport, Minnesota. Okay, here we go. Right. I'm Becca, as you all know. Lexi's with me today. Um, I was just calling her my, what, permanent temporary co-host. Love when she's here. She asks all the good questions. And we are here today with her boss, actually, Andrew Eccles of Loon State Physical Therapy. Um, I want you to start, just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah. and how you kind of started Loon State. Yeah, awesome, and thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Fun to talk to you both. Uh, so I have been a physical therapist since 2017. I um, originally entered physical therapy in outpatient practice in the North Metro. Um, and from there worked for about two and a half years in a sport specific setting, but saw a lot of general orthopedics as well. So um, really the, the list of young to old, neck to foot, saw it all. Um, and then from there moved to a clinic uh, in Mendota Heights for a year and a half as well. Um, in that process and coming out of school, I knew I always wanted to start my own business eventually. I just didn't know when it was going to be appropriate. And um, when COVID started changing a lot of things in, in March of 2020, uh, that certainly changed what my job looked like at the time as well. I was, I was managing this clinic in Mendota Heights and um, my hours got, uh, got changed just because we were a one-on-one -on -one patient care service-based business and as all service-based businesses um, also saw that everything was affected so with that um, my time in the clinic changed which then allowed me to have more time to start actually looking into more of the business side of things of um, what would it look like to do something on my own and that uh, allowed me to start exploring that this was truly possible and uh, then looked to open up my own shop in October of 2020 uh, which became Loon State Physical Therapy. So that was um, a scenario that, of course, everything is, is new at that point as a business owner, uh, Lexi can attest, there's, there's no real business taught in school. So it was very much a self-taught, read books, listen to podcasts. I do not have my MBA. Um, if all of this is just on the fly. I know that my expertise is being a physical therapist and yeah. everything else is it will fill itself in, um, but uh, at the time it felt right to, to hit the ground running with um, my, uh, my solo gig and see where it was gonna to lead us. And um, the benefit to me is it's, uh, it's um, continuing to, to flourish and, and add team members that have the same mission and vision that, that I've always had for the company. That's cool. Um, so I wanna talk about that mis mission and vision, but first, how did you come up with Loon State? Yeah. Was the name? Yeah. Um, I knew that um, I had a passion that I didn't want to name it after myself in any fashion. Um, and there's nothing wrong with naming a business after yourself. I, I have full respect for all business owners that um, go out on a leap and choose their name in their business. I just had a, had a plan that if we were going to grow as a as a clinician group past myself, I think it would be really hard to market my uh, my other providers if the company was Andrew Eccles Physical Therapy. So um, I then thought, well, what am, I what am I also passionate about outside of the profession? 
and uh, I love the state. I love the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota, Minneapolis originally. Um, my wife is from Green Bay, and so uh, though Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes, I felt like there's something to that I can pull in knowing that I never want this business to um, grow at scale to be something that's nationwide. It's uh, I want it to be in local communities. I want it to be able to feel that it's your one-stop shop for people for their wellness. And, and I, what then at that point resonated with me was what's local? What can I think of that's in either the Twin Cities or what can I think of that's you know Minnesota-based? And uh, that then pulled me to the state bird. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love the the new little moon logo too. Is thank you. Yeah, it's so cute. It's uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> the process of trying to to come up with that was fun because I knew I wanted something sort of whimsical. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, uh, another gym and um, and close to downtown, Sulcana Sulcana Fitness, they uh, had a lift off uh, where then they utilized an artist for that lift off and. Uh, I was like, I love this logo. Uh, and so I started peeking at that individual's uh, stuff on their Instagram, and I was like, I want to see if we can make something like this. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it took off. And yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it was fun to try to piece together, like, do we want the loon, like, looking happy while lifting? <laughs> Is anyone really happy when, happy when they're overhead squatting? Uh, do, we, do we want the loon to have, like, a painful struggle, but not, like, then, does that have a, a rough message? So, yeah, going back and forth to be, like, what's the, really, yeah. like, what's the facial look of the loon was kind of the hardest part. Yeah. yeah I think we, I think we came to a good conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, I think it's, I think it's cool. Um, are you going to repaint your wall at the to that, you know, <laughs> having this new loon, uh, the hope would be actually we get this guy into our uh, our Lake Elmo space. We'll probably yeah. keep our Linden Hills space with the big mural as it is and uh, look to add this guy on the wall in some capacity in the new spot. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about your mission and vision. Yeah, so the, um, the mission for the company for helping people, I think there's kind of two different missions that I strive to to have in mind when I started this is for the people that we help, it's really trying to help the athlete and everyone return to limitless living. That's kind of one of our slogans, our taglines. It's, it's, but we view that everyone should still view themselves as an athlete. And I think if you were an athlete in, um, as formally known from sake of high school uh, and college, then um, we certainly lose a piece of our identity when we no longer play that sport. Um, and, and there's a lot of psychology around that too, but, uh, one thing that kind of never really goes away when people start talking about pain is um, pain is very emotional and uh, they retie to it from some other time they've had pain and, and sometimes and I should say a majority of times people will tie that back to some former injury that they had in a sport uh, of any capacity so trying to help people recognize that they don't have to still identify as an athlete because that might mean something um, more to them of, of years past, but that they still have athletic capacity and athletic capacity doesn't have to be that you can run a 5k or that you can uh, go out and play pick up basketball, but uh, athletic capacity can be to the things where we're trying to tell people, hey, we know you want to be able to shovel by yourself. You live independent. You don't want to have to hire that out. How can we keep you able to do that without shoulder pain, back pain, what have you? Yeah. How can you continue to keep physically fit? If that's you're, you're in a run club, but you're the slowest one there, and you, but you don't care because you're out and it's all about conversation for you, then that's also still athletic capacity in our mind. And, yeah. and so um, 
helping people connect to what athlete means to us in the clinic helps them kind of realize what we're trying to help them achieve. And it's more of that bigger goal of not just, again, getting out of pain, but like keeping that capacity of movement um, where it's more than just they are going from their desk to their kitchen, kitchen back to their desk, working the day job. It's like, what else is there to life? So that's the big thing. That. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the big thing for like how we want to continue to help people. Um, but with the intent of knowing I wanted to help this business grow past myself, I also wanted to create a position and a job atmosphere that I didn't feel was available to me at the time I was looking for it. And so creating Loon State and, and to where the team eventually goes is ideally trying to find and assist providers uh, in providing that space. Because I know that there's people out there that have the same idea that I did and it was like, where can I find this thing? Yeah. And I couldn't find it. So now ideally we are that team in that space where people think this is what I've been looking for. And then we continue to build together uh, that, that change in, in how we believe healthcare should be administered and provided. Um, so you already are building that team, yeah. right? Lexi's joined you. Um, you have another partner, teammate. Yep. Jesse, um, yeah. Um, what, can you talk, maybe Lexi or both of you, talk a little bit about what is that that is different that you guys offer? Some of those things that, what you were you looking for that you couldn't sure. find out there? Because yeah. it is a little bit, a lot different than going to a clinic, right? Um, some of the insurance At least, at least stuff, we try I, to be, yes. Some <laughs> of the paperwork, right? Yeah. Like, I would imagine some of that. So maybe you, what were you looking for that wasn't out there? And then, Lexi, maybe you, what what was it that drew you to Loon State? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to know your feedback on that, Lexi. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so, yeah, what, <laughs> what I would say as far as, um, as different, or why we wanted to create different was um, I did feel like from what I had had in clinical practice before is, it, is there was a lot of um, trying to really squeak or, or wring out as much as you can from something like a, a wet rag that was already ringed out and it's just and that's not the person is in this analogy that is the system yeah. and so with the system to be told from the insurance company uh, or or, un, or receive a, a script, a doctor's script that says, you know, two visits per week for eight weeks. And so then you have that conversation with the patient. Maybe that's appropriate, maybe it's not. That's also a whole nother conversation. But, uh, but then if insurance is agreeing, saying, yep, only eight visits paid for, and you look at this individual, and you're like, there is no way we are achieving what we need to achieve in eight visits, so we should need double. Um, that conversation becomes really hard. And uh, that's again, hard across the whole system. That's hard with the patient, because if I need to educate them to say, we need to see you twice as much, um, that's a mentality change for them, because that might then come back to you know their, their pocketbook. And, right. and if they were like, well, uh, eight visits is paid for and eight aren't, what does that look like? And, and uh, the conversations surrounding what's covered and what's not, but then also going back to the insurance companies, and that's where they, they do hold the power, and um, they make the rules. And if I try to go back to them and say, hey, I need 16 visits, not eight, and they say, not gonna happen, 
that's really hard to then be the clinician and be now the game of the game of telephone to go tell the patient this is this is where what this is the the cards we've been dealt um, and unfortunately when a when a non-provider is holding the reins on what the provider can do and what the patient can provide that gets very very um, draining as the clinician because we all went in to be empathetic people and uh, try to help people so now when I don't feel like I can help someone to my fullest extent um, it's hard to you know leave that at the door when you leave the clinic because then driving home you're like you still is on your brain you can't ever really erase that but now you have that happen day after day and if you're seeing six to ten people a day and if that's happening with the majority of those people like that just compounds on the on the provider as well and I think that's why we see a lot of burnout in the in the profession and that's just burnout probably in the medical field too but but uh, I knew I needed to try to create something that looked different than that um, and then anytime you create something different though is uh, you have to have some substance behind it so I also knew if we're going to be building a different system or trying to create a different system we've got to bring it and uh, we've got to show why we are trying to change it and we have to be able to have a product and an outcome that supports that and yeah. uh, and that's where then looking for team members that I knew would fit that mold was very important to me uh, that's a great segue into into Lexi I forgot what my question was but there's a lot of things racing through my brain um what was my question? now's your time That's to my shine first question um what drew you to moon state um well i actually met andrew i think it was my first year of pt school he was hosting a continuing ed course that i went to and that was when i think you first opened yeah it would have been uh, yeah pretty within for sure within the first two years guaranteed yeah yeah probably a year and probably about a year and a quarter year and a half in yeah yeah so i went to this course and it was kind of crossfit mpt together and i met andrew there and then he was also a ta at my school and then i started seeing him for my own pt and in school we're kind of taught like there's many different things that we're taught but sometimes you hear things like back squatting is bad for your neck or all of these things like these mishaps that providers are telling people and every time I went into Andrew's space it was like we were pushing those boundaries and it wasn't like putting limits on people it was asking people more what they want like what are your goals versus what is a goal that I can tell you um, a couple things <clears throat> like I was a I was a physical therapist assistant for five years and I worked in clinics that I saw a patient for 30 minutes and that was it. I never really got to know the person. I just saw them and then they were out the door and then I saw the next person. It wasn't really like I could connect with anyone. Um, and kind of that burnout, like you just get exhausted doing that. You're seeing 18 people in a day and you can't provide quality care. No matter how bad you want to, you just can't. It's, it's exhausting. And you're getting told <clears throat> by different providers what what your PT should look like versus us being the musculoskeletal um, specialists, we should be able to say like what we expect our sessions to look like. Um, I recently just had <clears throat> a seminar and one of the people came up to me and she was seeing a PT that was insurance based and said, I got better, but now I go to lift up my 40 pound child and I'm leaking when I'm picking him up. And those are the kinds of things that insurance won't cover me making a goal for 
this person should be able to lift up heavy things without leaking, they'll cover a goal that says something a little bit less intensive, right? And like Andrew said, trying to justify this to a, someone who doesn't understand the medical field does get really frustrating. And I think breaking down that barrier and not having those things has been a blessing. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I benefited from seeing Lexi as a clinician in different elements too. I mean, as she mentioned, like she was at the course that, that my space hosted. Um, so I knew she was already drinking the same Kool-Aid that I was. Um, she was in one of the cohorts that I've taught now. Um, and so I knew how she also reacted and responded in the school space as well. And then um, just then from her community involvement and of course the practice what you preach element that, that we also strive to make sure all of us continue to do in the clinic as she was coaching for, uh, for KFP. So um, it was for me uh, pretty much a no brainer. I might've used those words for her when I originally told her <laughs> about the job. Yeah. Um, and I also mm -hmm. told her uh, that she was going to be someone that I wouldn't be the only person interested in having her on my team. There were gonna be other people that would want someone of her skill set on their team. So I just wanted to be the first one to say it. So then she could have the decision to, uh, when she had to make the, make the choice, um, when other people came, came knocking that she just remembered that I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a little bit emotional when you were talking about the um, back squatting, like they're teaching you that and then you go into this space. And I think that is just sums up who you are to me, what I see. You are just so caring and for what people want to do in their life, finding what their goals are and helping them meet that. And I just think you're in such a good job for, you're, you found what you were made to do, I think, and you are so good at it. Um, we have all these members in here, these women who have gone through their entire pregnancy crossfitting, that in so many places they would be told that, that that's dangerous, that they shouldn't be lifting heavy weights, and you're just so supportive of that. Um, all these people who have had surgeries and are recovering from that. Um, that's kind of what I wanna talk about with you guys today too, is that pre-surgery, post-surgery, injury. Um, I think there's a lot of doctors out there, maybe even physical therapists that are prescribing rest. And when is that important? How do you determine? Um, what's kind of your guys' outlook, I guess, on that yeah. fitnessing during injury or mm -hmm. after a surgery? I, uh, I certainly think like, the teacher brain turns on a little bit for me here and uh, it's like we kind of almost have to de define what injury is okay. too um, and it's an instance of if we're going to work through injury um, I think similar to me and talking about people tying themselves to the term athlete and, and like or seeing that as a prior a time prior in their life um, injury is also something people often very very strongly connect themselves with um, good examples would be Oh, I've got a rotator cup tear. I've got a <laughs> L5 disc. And like, and that's kind of how it's described. It's like that. I'm like, 
I've got an L5 disc too. Yeah. But but like we just all have an L5 disc. Is we what what about your L5 disc is going on, you know? And um, and to that though, it's like if we're told from an MRI or a CT scan or uh, X-rays, you know, oh, I've got the worst arthritis my doctor's ever seen in my in my left ankle, and I'm like, talk about you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, talk about an already uphill battle because this person has created this own like hole that the med really not themselves but the medical system has dug for them right and then the medical system goes and gently places them in this hole to dig out of because yeah. now we all create this oh i am this thing i tie myself to this thing i can't you know i probably shouldn't deadlift because of that l5 thing i probably shouldn't do any jumping because of that terrible ankle arthritis stuff so now it's like it always comes back to that and that's where again we kind of connect ourselves to injury so yes, I think injuries can be in the presence of the acute ankle sprain where it swells up and it gets black and blue and stuff like that. But I also think from the chronicity of stuff that we've been told, we could still build an injury story off of that where we also know in the medical space that a lot of that stuff might not be actually playing a role in what hurts or what doesn't, but but we still very much tie ourselves to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so to kind of go off of like injury, I think is a, a big umbrella term. Surgery, much more cut and dry of like, hey, ACL tear, got it surgically repaired. What does that recovery look like? Low back surgery, coming out of that, what does that look like? Again, you have your relative protocols that are written from MD teams that sometimes, um, again, are like, hey, they want you following them by the book. And then there's also the, uh, the leeway that some can get as well. And I think saw that much more before Loon State. Uh, we don't get a lot of post-operative and I'm, I'm sure there's a reason for that too. Um, but uh, right away, I think having the breakdown of, and ideally as early as possible, having people break away from the, what is your injury and see yourself as more than that thing and because you are more than that thing i think that's always like right away a really hard part but something that i know we have the time to do in the clinic to be able to talk to people about how this is a bigger picture than that and you're not just your knee pain or you're not just your arthritis lexi i'd like to know your thoughts mm -hmm. on on that too yeah i think i agree with all of that i i also look at it as a standpoint and i know andrew does too but even with injury right let's say my knee is bugging me or I just had surgery, there are still benefits to coming and sitting on a bench and doing this gear to get blood flow, not for just blood flow, but even for like mental health, right? Like what is the difference between sitting on your couch, watching TV and kind of getting stuck in this rut, like my knee hurts, my knee hurts, my knee hurts, and that's all I'm thinking about versus like coming in here, being in a community, getting some blood flowing and feeling like you're not just focused on that knee for once, mm -hmm. right? There's a huge component of that. And I think that's a big thing we try to say here at KFP as well as at Loon State. Like no matter your injury, we can still have you move in a different capacity. It might not look like everybody else, but you're still moving and there's benefit to movement. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, we know that there's copious amounts of benefit to the mental side of things. Um, and 
the again the fun part about being in the academia field too is like I constantly see the new research that comes out about exercise in general and what it does for us and uh, certainly in a presence of injury the I think one of like our my my favorite things to to treat is in a scenario where someone is immobilized uh, for X amount of time let's say they're in a boot because of an ankle surgery or they're in a um, knee extender brace because they can't be bending their knee right now that's more in the form of like early acl recovery rotator cuff repair you're in a sling that's just attached to your body for x amount of time because they don't want you doing any active motion so it's all passive but that person might be like well i can't do anything it's like we there's so much we can still do and science would support it too some of the coolest stuff is to say hey if i've got a rotator cuff tear on my left side the right working the right side in resistance training protocols has a reciprocal benefit to the other side where they found that you don't have an atrophy loss on the side that you aren't moving at all like how cool is that right the human body is so amazing i've heard that before that is so cool yeah. do you know how that like why that works that way it, i mean it's of course the, this is all stuff that they're like more research needs Trying to be to, done yeah. to figure it out but um but it's a scenario where the it's all comes down to how the the uh, brain is certainly responding to like right hemisphere, left hemisphere, like right, left, right side brain, left side brain individual. But, but if you're working a shoulder, there's a man, I'm going to bore everyone on your con on your <laughs> podcast with, with all these big terms, but the homunculus is a, is a, that's a made up. No. That has to be a made up word. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll come up with some fun pictures of a homunculus. What it, what it looks like. Very fun. I just did this with a patient the other day. What it looks like is a, is a, person to a degree um laying backwards from the middle of the brain backwards so it's like you're you're laying over a yoga ball okay, okay. but your feet are going through the two hemispheres of the brain so think right down into the crevice that separates them well why this homunculus is even a picture is because it's basically talking about the different areas of the brain that coordinate and connect with those parts of the musculoskeletal system so in that example the knee would sit somewhere right around that edge and as you lay back you're then going up the body, relatively speaking, all the way to the head as you keep laying back. So if we stopped using an area, let's just say someone isn't using that shoulder, there's it's cortical smudging. Again, another fun term for everyone to be like, oh, Andrew, whatever. But uh, you start losing the ability to actually connect with that part of your brain. Your brain isn't using it, so it loses it. It's a very common, you know, we all talk about you don't use it, you lose it. Well, this yeah. is exactly one of those things. and and the ability to reverse or just slow down smudging or just have it not happen at all is that scenario here like hey let me work the right shoulder because i can't work the left we minimize the ability for that cortical smudging to happen um, and it also i'm sure there's a component to like what we know about regular hypertrophy training of like muscle breakdown to build up um, and by working the deltoid and working your scap pressors from anything on your shoulder blade like what is that yes my left arm's not doing the movement but um but it's getting the stimulus the brain is getting the stimulus of hey you're working a shoulder so i'm going to give a similar stimulus to the side that's not doing anything the human body is so fascinating yeah. mm -hmm. and pretty darn amazing that's crazy i've heard that before i've told people that before i didn't know how right i actually was um but it's stuff like this always surprised me. Like, why isn't that more common knowledge? Mm -hmm. If that is, if, if 
there's research that backs that up, that's actually a thing. Why isn't that more common knowledge? Right. That just because you can't use one doesn't mean you shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing active anything, at yeah. all, first of all, but using the other one, yep. that's so cool. Yeah, and, and so like to that point uh, that Lexi was making, it's like, hey, you, you might be completely immobilized. And this is like a totally, you know, if we're looking at a bell curve of extremes, like this is at an, uh, one of the ends of extremes of like you actually are told not to move that arm but you can still do other things. And that's you know kind of what hits in the middle of that bell curve would be someone who's like, my knee hurts when I squat, but I can still squat. So like, how do I, how do I continue to train around that? Or, or when do we also talk about training into that too? And I think there's also this, you know, um, this pendulum of it's a little bit of both. And what does that start to look like? But I think in any presence of pain, especially if you haven't really ever experienced it, so in the acute scenarios, it's the immediate alarms go off, right? It's like, I got to stop moving this thing because I don't want to do damage. And I think that's human nature to be like, am I doing something worse by moving, yeah. right? And I, I think in when we don't have the information in front of us, it's a very real fear. And I support everyone's thoughts when they have that. So that's then, of course, we hope to be able to intervene, at least conversationally to start, but sure, in the clinic, to tell them like, this is why it's safe to move your knee in a presence of when it hurts in, you know, of course in the, in the CrossFit space, if it hurts with box jumps, here's what we hear you, but here's why that still could be okay. Or mm, depending on how that's sounding, maybe we are modifying box jumps to box step ups. Maybe we're just doing some jumping in place, some other type of stimulus and load, but yeah, not being like, okay, my knee hurts. I'm taking every input to the knee and removing it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even gonna bike because that's bending and straightening my knee. So, because I feel it when I do that. So I'm just gonna back off on all lower leg things. And, and the better we can talk to one person, ideally that compounds and one person talks to three and three talk to six. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's, the, that's the larger system change we're trying to make. It's, uh, we know that we won't change the country, but can we change our local communities and to the greater Twin Cities area and give this information out there to say, hey, it is possible to still be moving and still be successful in movement in absence of being at your, what you would consider where your peak is or so to speak. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. a really, really good way to put it. I think also just adding to your point, you talked about the homunculus and an acute injury. Now imagine someone has been not doing something for 16 years. And now <laughs> I think of an example of me, like I am pretty much legally blind if I don't have my contacts in. So right now I can see everything pretty clearly and that's how like my homunculus should look. But if I take out my contacts, the world is so blurry, right? And that is how my homunculus would look if I hadn't moved something, if I was contributing pain to this area of my body and not moving it for 16 plus years, it would just be so blurry and I wouldn't be able to differentiate like, this poke here would hurt or a poke somewhere else might also hurt because I have so much smudging going on. Mm -hmm. So I think like acute and chronic, right? There is so much of that we could talk about. Yeah. And then also to your point, Becca, how <clears throat> you made a point about how there's these, we have this research, but we're still being told these things like don't squat, right? My doctor told me to stop squatting because I have bad knees. Well, how did you get up from your toilet today? How did you get out of bed? You had to squat, right? So there is all this research, but we still have people coming in every day. Like I was told to not do this. 
and it's things like squatting or <coughs> getting imaging that did we need those images? There's just a lot of things we have research for mm -hmm. that we don't no longer need, but so that's what I think we're trying to do at Loon State and even here is changing kind of that narrative. Yeah. I think um, we'll try to, maybe we'll post it um, along with this when we release it, but your um, little article blog that you did about the knee, mm -hmm. will you talk about that? The, was it three different? Yeah, and I think that was in 2002. There was a blog that I wrote, 2002, so 20 years ago. Time flies. Um, <laughs> but also three groups 20 of years ago yeah. and still, okay. We still have. Just, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but there was three groups. One group went in and they had a full like knee surgery, a scope. They had the full kit and caboodle. The next group had, um, they just went into the knee and then flushed it out with, <clears throat> I don't know what, but just flushed out the knee to get rid of any like floating cartilage. Third one, they just went in, cut, made a cut, and then didn't do anything else. Um, three groups, the only group, um, so the group that had actual surgery actually had a higher risk of arthritis ten, five or 10 years down the road, and the group that just went in and had like an incision actually had the best results. So again, 20 years ago, and we're still recommending people go under the knife to get all these things cut out of them, or cut the cartilage, all of these things, and it's been 20 years. Whereas there's evidence to show PT, I, I wrote the cost in this blog, but like an average of nine visits for a knee pain, PT can help with. And think about the financial cost of how much it costs to have that um, anesthesiologist come into the room, how much it costs to have that ortho surgeon come into the room, whereas at Loon State, how much does it cost to come into one visit? Right, like just those huge differences are so crazy. And yeah. we've had that information since 2002. And also we're not sharing it. <laughs> knowing my friend Trisha and all her side effects from all of her surgeries, that that's a real thing for some people too. Oh, yeah. Like some people go in surgery just fine. And some people have all these side effects. What kind of side effects are they gonna have from physical therapy? Yeah. Confidence, <laughs> strength, feeling yeah. like an athlete. Yeah. Like yeah, and, and even if it's like uh, you know, I think even the education can be so val can be almost the most valuable thing you can gain in in some of that, right? And and we we very much embrace the aspect that we are physical therapists, but that word therapist holds a lot of weight in that in that profession name, um, where we do a lot of talking with people, and it's a lot of trying to educate and and trying to be transparent to give them the facts, and but also support them and be in their corner, but also be able to stand stand up for them and say why like our clinical opinion might be this thing where they might not be leaning towards that thing but but ideally building that trust where they are willing to to listen to that too and i think yeah if someone came in for one visit only and they were considering getting uh, a low back fusion and they walked out of that visit not convinced that a low back fusion is the right thing because we all we did was talk and maybe did some assessment of like, here's other things that you can do. And maybe it's not like, hey, see you next week, see you in two weeks, but like try these things and here's the education on it. And I just saved them from not only going under the knife, but all of the other side effects that can yeah. come from that. And we just know that once you 
once you enter the medical system, the amount of compounding dollars that build off of that, because you usually continue to be in the medical system for years on end, that longevity of it yeah. is exponential. So if that saves someone, not only just from the surgery, what else does that save them from 5, 10, 15 years down the road from now? And that's, that's more valuable to me than anything. It's like someone being able to have the knowledge to make a ideally a decision that's potentially and probably better for them in the long run. Yeah. yeah. And I think Andrew touched on this already, but talk about an uphill battle, right? When someone comes in and says, my doctor told me my knees are the worst knees I've ever seen. That doctor has seen a lot of the worst knees they've ever seen. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't, I mean, not everyone can have the worst knees you've ever seen. It's just not a real thing. They all have, you know, again, imaging, like is imaging the first route we should take or should we talk about your symptoms? Can we change your symptoms versus what you look like on an image? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of wrap up here. A couple of things running through my mind. Lexi, as Dr. Coach Lexi, is there anything for our gym members specifically around this topic that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure to mention? Um, not necessarily. I think just like Jorge is a good example. He hurt his back during um, our 5K Gone Rogue, but he, his first instinct was like, well, last time I went to the doctor, they gave me this medicine. I didn't feel good from it. Like, I don't want to do that again. And so he just came in and was just moving. Like, if we can just keep you moving, a lot of times your body will heal itself. Like the body is not some, it's not dumb. It's very smart. We it's just need to provide it the tools to help with that. And so just like letting the coaches know if there is something, but knowing that we're still here to support you and meet you where you're at. And if you're not comfortable, you're in charge. Like we just want to help you where you're at. I think it's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and then my other thing, the little cute little guy we were talking about earlier um, and the sticker with the fitness forward. I just love that. I always have the hardest time remembering it for some reason. I'm like, I know they start with the same letter. I know it's about moving and being active. I don't know why. <laughs> so now I have a sticker on both of my water bottles. So now I can always remember. But can you, I just think that that's so clever. And I think it says a lot, but can you could just kind of briefly talk about where you came up with that and what that fitness forward means to you. We probably have already covered that through all of what we're talking about, but just kind of a summary, I guess. Sure, yeah, well, well I will certainly start by saying I was not the one to come up with it. Um, and I don't know if they came up with it or they heard it from somewhere else, but uh, to, the, to the group that Lexi and I strongly support in our continued education, um, Institute of Clinical Excellence uses fit, fitness forward discussion a lot and fitness forward physical therapy and it's what we believe in, it's what they believe in. And, uh, and that term originally was introduced to me from, from them, but they, they want their therapists who are learning from them to live this lifestyle, live this model. So when, when I knew uh, like how I wanted to continue to brand uh, the business and, and have, have us look different then if you were to Google physical therapy near me, like how do you differentiate yourself? And I think as more people are doing their own research on their own healthcare versus just going to your, your family practitioner and they say, here's a script for PT, 
Um, we've got a place right down the road, go there. Some people do, and that's fine, great, but it's most people now are taking that script and going home and researching and doing their own look of what group works best for me, or they just start to look at it right away. There's not even going to their family practice provider or the, the MD specialist. It's what PT can I find close to me and, and, uh, and who fits the way I want to get better. And so when people see that messaging from us, um, because that's how we strive to provide, that's how we strive to live our lives and be fitness forward in our own, in our own lives, in our own management of our own pain, um, it's, uh, it's people recognizing that these PTs are also, again, uh, living the lifestyle that I want to get back to. It's they, I see, I see these PTs in cool spaces that they have all the bells and whistles and so they must use them. And, and, and then they recognize like this is a place that will help push me to be better um, because that, f that fitness element, yes, lives strong and we want to help you be fit, but also help you create a new lifestyle routine which can create be fitness if you haven't ever had it. Like how does PT become the first stop in your journey and not the last? Um, and then forward just being us leading, uh, leading from the front and showing people that we do it too, that we also experience pain like you do too and we go through our own things and how do we manage that? And I think a lot of people again resonate with stories and so when they see that we are also right there in the trenches with them, uh, we are there leading from the front uh, and, and they, they gravitate to that. Cool. Yeah. Love that. Anything else? No. Last thing, yeah, last thing, <laughs> fitness forward. And they also say load is our love language. And one of my patients, she always says, Lexi's love language is load. And I say, yes, <laughs> it, it really is. So <laughs> that's just my little tidbit. We love lifting heavy things. Keep yeah. doing it. Yep. Cool. Okay. I love that. Thank awesome. you. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, this was great. We Thank you. Until next time, we'll be here building unbreakable humans through knowledge, ownership, and routine.